The last 20 years have seen an explosion of cool tech, shiny digital apps, and progressive business models, but not all have migrated successfully to traditional banking. Have we lingered too long in the glittering halls of cutting edge? Have we forgotten the real goals of reliable, trustworthy, and functional banking? Is it time to find the real magic in building a bank that works? Welcome to Functional Banking Magic, a podcast that aims to tell the stories of the magic in a bank that works. After a short summer break, welcome back to the next episode of Functional Banking Magic, where we look at banking in the real verse. Today is all about digital first, but do we still have a need for in-person, physical banking? Has a focus on digital first further isolated communities, so rural communities, unbanked demographics that don't have confidence in the digital world. We have three fantastic chapters for you in this episode. Starting off, we have Andra Sunea, postdoctoral research fellow in fintech at the Syed Business School at Oxford, who talks us through her research on banking and rural communities. The second chapter, I'm speaking with Shankar Ramamurthy, Global Managing Partner, Banking at IBM, who highlights how technology can address some of these banking in the real-versed issues. And finally, we have a great discussion with Wendy Redshaw, Chief Digital Information Officer at NatWest, and Nina Raphael, Managing Director, Banking and Capital Markets, Accenture, talking about putting the human touch back into banking to finish this episode. So welcome to Functional Banking Magic, Banking in the Realverse. I'm Liz Lumley, Deputy Editor of The Banker. And as I mentioned before, we're looking at banking in the real world. Every day we hear of yet another bank closing their physical bank branches. However, has a focus on digital first, further isolated communities from those banking services. If so, who are they? and what can be done. So joining me today to start this discussion is my good friend, Andra Sinea, who is a research fellow at the University of Oxford. Uh, and before we go into some of your research, I want you to tell the audience a little bit about yourself. Thank you very much for having me today. I spent most of my career in banking here in London as a technologist, building systems and then thinking about them and... Um, looking at big problems in 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 banking technology, um, working with startups. <laughs> <laughs> You've uh, done it all. You've done it all. <laughs> yeah, assessing lots of startups. And for the past three years or so, I built a startup, fin- FintechWest, together with many other super good people. Uh, but I uh, spent probably the last three years in, um, in academia. Mm-hmm trying to make sense uh, of what I've seen in my career in banking technology and thinking how we can do better. Mm. I, I have to tell you, uh, for those that know me, I in conversations I quote stuff that you've, stories you've told me so often. Oh. I almost don't want to talk about the organizations you've worked for in case they get they get <laughs> outed, but um, you are, you are a, someone who knows the ins and outs mm. of all the nooks and crannies of, of some of our, our banking industry. But I brought you on here today because um, I wanted to talk about uh, rural areas, remote areas. Um, I know there's a lot of talk about it being sort of a, a digital a digital desert. Um, so as I mentioned before in the opening, you know we every every day there's a conversation about banks closing branches, not just in rural areas. Um, but you've looked at some research on the impact that that can have on on these types of of communities. Can you give us kind of a a flavor of some of your findings? 
I stumbled on 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 this problem, as as you know, here from London in London we spoke mostly about the newest fintech, the newest technology and so on. So simply, I was not faced with this problem that we are about to discuss right now. I've read a, a story in a report from Financial Conduct Authority about a person who is in a wheelchair and has to go to the to the bank, has some very basic financial things to do. And um, the, the, the only thing is a bus, which come rarely, and he cannot take, so he can take a, a, a taxi, and he pays 16 pounds. It was, the story was quite detailed, you know, mm. coming from FCA, not, not the type of thing that I expected. And it stayed with me. And I, when I started my, my research, I, I got, I got, a, I got a, a, a grant based on this story saying... I can tell you where this guy is. I mean, why are we just talking about these people um, and we don't make the minimal effort to find where they are? So all my research, to give you a flavor uh, of it, is from this point of view. I can tell you where these people are, where the so-called vulnerable uh, 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 people from from a banking point of view, I mean, uh, are the underbanked, the underserved. Who are they? I did... <laughs> a study. It was me and my my supervisors uh, at the at the time, Professor Stephen Jervis and Professor Y C Guo. We collected the data, uh, all the branches in the UK, all the post offices, all the ATMs, <laughs> uh, data about um, uh, the quality of uh, broadband uh, over the UK, and we made a sort of lasagna. Tup 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 tup. <laughs> And um, under this was a, a socio-economic, let's say, set, uh, data set, uh, splitting the whole UK in small cells. So you, you could find, you could know in every cell how many people, well, they are usually in comparable numbers, um, uh, the deprivation, uh, econ- uh, employment indicators, income, and so on. So with all this lasagna, <laughs> basically, <laughs> I started calculated uh, distances. So if you live in this cell, mm-hmm. how far do you need to go to a branch? How far do you need to go to a post office? Mm-hmm. Or if you don't have any of these, do you have broadband of a reasonable quality? So, of course, we found these areas. We found these areas and a lot of other, I observed a lot of other things which inform my research uh, later. So the point of the research is, Guys, regulators, and you, you know these things. If if I can find them mm-hmm. uh, on my laptop, doing this, <laughs> all this calculation on my laptop, using open data, all this data was open. Nobody wanted to give me data. I had to web scrap it and find it. And you can you can do it. Let's stop the talk and do this. <laughs> do well, no, this is 100% why I want to do on this podcast. We have, you know, myself included, lots of people talk big general, you know, you know, comments about how to improve banking, how to make it better. And you're like, no, I did a very detailed based map. You know, I there's a guy in a wheelchair yeah. on a mountain. <laughs> I know exactly yeah. how long it takes him to get to a bank branch. And that's yeah. the type of data you need to fix things. Yes. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Because um, I don't think the solution to this type of problem uh, is a big policy which applies to everybody. It cannot be. In uh, the UK, 
Uh, to my surprise, because I'm an immigrant, it's organized in, in separate countries. You know, England, Wales, uh, Scotland, Northern Ireland have very different uh, statistical bodies. They measure things differently. They are not uh, always comparable. You cannot, you, you have to go through a huge effort to compare Northern Ireland with England in any way, shape or form, even at a very local stage, of, um, um, very local um, Granular, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that, granular uh, in a granular in a granular way. So the approach is okay. Let's find these holes where they are. Look mm. who is living there, and and see what you can do. Sometimes the solution could be just an ATM or just you know maintain that uh, that that uh, point. Uh, so have you yeah. have you seen with the research did these sort of financial services deserts have they been yes. getting bigger have they been have new ones been emerging you know what what kind of impact does that desert have on the community uh yes so they 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 get bigger and uh, despite it and <laughs> and um they are harder to catch and i don't uh, this is uh, let's say not a researcher point <laughs> point of view more a personal point of view i i, I think this is in a way on, on purpose Tell you how you find the desert. Desert. Okay. We're going to mangle. Let's call it. Yeah. How to find these areas and why? how they get bigger and why you cannot, uh, they're harder to find. So, uh, we, we don't have criteria for measuring access in, in the UK. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talk about access, but we don't. So, there are some criteria by type of. Uh, points. I call them points um, uh, because I uh, talk about points on a map defined by latitude and longitude. And from that uh, point, we judge who is around and if they have access. So there are some criteria for post offices only in the UK. Uh, and uh, these were inherited from Royal Mail and they don't make sense from a banking point of view. Um Simply because we talk about something else. We don't talk about delivering packages. We talk about financial services. So we want to assess if this happens. We have a criteria which is very weird for ATMs, and nobody knows where it comes from, which is different from the others. An ATM is considered a protected ATM if it's more than one mile uh, distance from another free ATM. I can tell you that nobody does this calculation. What does that mean? What does that mean? Nothing. (laughs) Nothing. Nothing. What's a protected uh, so, ATM? Does it have so, a guard? So <laughs> they, are, they are not supposed to close them. But if you look at any ATM, you will not find anything on it which is mm-hmm. protected. Or, no. So it's, it's a criteria which is different from the post office. The post office criteria are expressed in the following way. Uh, this percentage of the UK population lives within one mile, three miles or six miles from a post office. And... There is no way to verify these numbers. The methodology is not described anywhere. Mm-hmm. And there is no uh, regional um, uh, uh, data, you know. Mm-hmm. So um, we aggregate everything, London and uh, the mountain of Snowdon. <laughs> Snowdon. And in, in aggregate, mm-hmm. in our, on average, we are fine. <laughs> so, so the post offices aren't, aren't filling the gap is what you're saying. And the protected ATMs are basically a myth that have been made up by someone. Uh, <laughs> as, as measures. And 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 branches uh, have no criteria for access uh, mm-hmm. whatsoever. 
so if you, if you think from, from the following point of view, because we, we always say, oh, in banking, we are customer-centric. Yeah, okay. A person wants to, to, to do the basic, basic, basic thing to have access to their own money, not access to credit, not something more. Access to their own money, either in a, in a cash form or in a digital form, they want to pay something, let's say their utilities, because they can do this from the post office as well. As well. They don't think, oh, post office is regulated by these guys and branches are regulated by these guys and IT. No, they think, where is the closest point where I can go to do this thing, you know? So this is what I was, I was trying to, to find out, how, pe how people think about access. It's where can I go, the, the, the closest. When a branch closes, mm -hmm. the procedure is the following. They have to, uh, th there is a um, uh, banking standard which is monitored by, the, uh, by one regulatory body, but just monitored, you know, They don't have to do anything about it. They are informed about it. So the bank needs to put an announcement. This branch will close. And by the way, there are 11,500 uh, post offices in the UK where you can be served. That's all. And that's That's it. You know, there's nothing. There's nothing. What else. about what about my favorite thing though? What about what about the bank in a van? What about the little <laughs> bank mobiles? So wait, so how common are they? Not, not everybody does this. Royal Bank of Scotland does this big mm -hmm. time, and Lloyd's does this uh, mm -hmm. a lot. Um, uh, Royal Bank of Scotland uh, is focused only on Scotland, so they 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 have okay. all these things only on Scot in Scotland, so if you, if, and Lloyd's if... only in the in the in England. Okay. Uh, so um, when you represent spatially on maps all these big <coughs> banks and all their presence, um, you realize that some areas are very vulnerable to some of these banks and 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 what they do. So I discovered mobile banks. Uh, um, yeah, they're called mobile banks. These vans, uh, by I chance. Think, I think they should be called bankmobiles. <laughs> I'm putting Mobile. it out there. I'm yeah. putting it out there. Yeah. So, so, so this is how I discovered them. Uh, if, if you remember, when open banking started in the UK, they didn't start with a normal PSD2 regulation. They thought, oh, do you want to jog a bit <laughs> with, with APIs and see how they work? Uh, try with static data. Static data being products, uh, branches, and I don't know if it was something else. Ah, ATMs. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So this is static data. Doesn't doesn't change very often. So create some APIs, build an API gate, and so on. So they provide these APIs. All the um, uh, CMA nine banks. And I said, okay, I can collect this data. This is how I collected data for the most banks. And when I started looking at them and looking at the, their opening hours, there were many for Royal Bank of Scotland, which were open zero, zero minutes or five minutes. There were hundreds of such mobile banks which were open five minutes. And I was trying to figure out, are these things real? I mean, what you can do when that van stops for five minutes in the middle of the field somewhere in Scotland, in the rain, So, so they are real, and 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 I, I, I collected Twitter data and Twitter stories with people queuing in the middle of nowhere, waiting for the van to come, and the van doesn't come, and they have no way of announcing those people. <laughs> yeah. 
So people go there. It, it's supposed to come on a Tuesday at lunch. They drive from 10 miles. They close their little shop, wait in the middle of nowhere, in the rain. The van doesn't come. What should they do the next time? Should they come again and wait again? Maybe next week will come. Or th This is a reality of mobile mm-hmm. banking. Very much so. Oh, I'm thinking of these these poor Highlanders in the Outer Hebrides. Yeah, in the it's, rain. it's a it's a big right. problem in in Scotland because uh, not only they have a lot of that, but uh, as I explained earlier, that we have these lasagna with lot of holes in into it. The holes are bigger in uh, in Scotland, mm -hmm. so um, you have uh, places. Uh, where from you need to drive or more than 10 kilometers to meet any point of service, which is quite a lot. Yeah. So what, so what is the like answer to this? Is it 5G? Is it better rural broadband? Is it more bank mobiles? I mean, what is the solution to this? Uh, it depends of the community actually. Mm -hmm. Um, because, um, Why it depends on the community. Um, access is, is um, experienced very differently by different people. So it, uh, the, the problem is more difficult for older people um, with, uh, or for people with limited mobility for whatever reasons, people who don't have a car or uh, people who uh, also don't feel comfortable for whatever reasons, without judgment, any judgment, to uh, do, do things uh, digitally. But let's talk about those who are in the impossibility to <laughs> mm. uh, move from there. If the community, so if they don't have a car, they need to have something. Uh, uh, Public transportation. Uh, yeah, yeah, around them or, or, or those points uh, close to them. How the shops or the market function in the play, in the area we, uh, where they live? Because if it functions in cash, have an ATM, sponsor an ATM. Yes, it will cost uh, more. Somebody needs to to to, <laughs> to to sponsor it. But that that the that the thing for that particular uh, areas. Better mobile. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, this is this is an interesting topic which we'll be talking about more. I think it's it's much better than talking about the metaverse. We'll <laughs> talk about the real verse. So, Andra, thank you so much for joining me today. You're welcome. Today, I am speaking with Shankar Ramamurthy, Global Managing Partner Banking at IBM. Hello, Shankar. Outstanding, Liz. I'm looking forward to this discussion. Oh, wonderful. Perfect. Um, You know, it, it's very interesting. I mean, we, we talk about technology and digital all the time, but I kind of wanted to, whenever I talk about technology, it always comes back to the human. So even though we're kind of talking about banking in the real world, banking in the real verse, we, we're always talking about interpersonal relationships and how, that, um, and how that happens. But I mean, every week in the banking world, we're kind of greeted with news all over the world uh, that yet another retail bank is closing branches, closing that physical connection. Is this just kind of the natural order of things or are we ignoring a significant impact on society? What do you think? So the last couple of years have been an anomaly, haven't they, for all of us, mm. um, given the um, given the kind of the COVID world um, that we live in. Uh, we're all getting more and more used to um, The, the the digital aspect of our of our lives and and that's pretty much a universal phenomenon if i if i go back and look at the last 20 years or so before the start of covid 
uh, bank branches um, were, were not, and I look at the US, for example, they were not materially reducing in actual number. What was happening was the, the role of the branch, the number of people in the branches, all that changed. Um, and, and of course, the, the, the physical footprint, um, the real estate and the number of um, um, bankers in the branches reduced. Mm. Uh, but the, the number of bank branches did not materially compress. The last couple of years have, on the other hand, seen uh, a material compression uh, in the number of U.S. Uh, banking branches, right? Close to close to 3,000 of them closed in uh, 21 and uh, something like um, 2,100 plus um, closed in, uh, in, uh, in 2020. Um, and th this is all really in the context of COVID. And, and, and does, that, does that change uh, the fundamental nature of the banking relationship um, that, that banks have with their consumers? I would say not necessarily, because again, we got to kind of roll the clock back and historically look at what's happened um, in banking um, over the last several decades. Mm. Um, you know, I remember the days of passbook banking yeah, when I too. first started consulting, <laughs> right? Yeah. Exactly. You remember that 30 mm. years ago. Um, and, and, and um, you know, bankers had to uh, deliberately um, and, and consciously and explicitly uh, train consumers and wean them off passbooks, get them used to ATMs. Mm -hmm. um, and, and around the world, there was kind of a migration of certain transaction types off of um, branches uh, into ATMs. Then, of course, we had the rise of uh, call centers and we had people, again, migrating for certain types of transactions off of branches, you know, not just into ATMs, but into call centers, of course. Then we had the advent of, uh, of the web and, you know, there were more interactions happening on the web uh, that used to happen in branches. And then we had uh, this, the, the, the mobile re revolution and now we've got the kind of the the extension of that. So over time, uh, the the interactions between a bank and its customers have actually increased in frequency, not not reduced overall in terms of if you, if you put all the various touch points together. Mm -hmm. um, and and the number of interactions in a branch context uh, have have reduced. And chances are, um, some of this was kind of societally forced on us through through COVID, uh, but then. After about two, three years of, of getting used to um, kind of electronic and digital-based interactions, chances are more of us have gotten used to that over a kind of a physical interaction. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I, I agree with you. I mean, I, th I do agree that we have more interactions with our banks now because of, of the technology that enables that broadband and, and mobile phones and cell towers. And, you know, you mentioned the ATM machines. But I, I just, just to talk about kind of a specific group I'm very interested in, which is people that live in remote areas and rural areas. Uh -huh. And they've kind of long experienced this lack of physical access to a bank branch and also, you know, lack of access to the, those things we've been talking about, broadband and mobile phones. And, you know, what are some of the strategies to reach out to those communities? So around the world, um, we, we're seeing lots of, uh, lots of strategies to handle that, right? And 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 by the way, the um, the the point you're on is an important one because worldwide there is still well over, you know, uh, according to the World Bank, something like 1.7 billion adults who are, are unbanked, leave alone underbanked, right? Mm -hmm. And limited access to the financial services sector, 
admittedly a material part of that uh, is in the is in the uh, kind of the growth markets um, and uh, half of them are in you know countries like uh, bangladesh china india indonesia you know pakistan nigeria mexico and so on but having said that even in a us context uh, there's a meaningful percentage of the uh, of the uh, population that's unbanked um, uh, and underbanked and if i look at um, some of the trends around the world um, you're seeing governments uh, particularly focused on on bringing uh, banking to the uh, unbanked and the and the underbanked you know around the world uh, whether it be brazil or china or uh, you know germany or india france new zealand and so on you know there mm. are you know post office branches that are effectively being used um, to provide uh, banking services there are new mandates being put in place by governments for example the the universal payment interface in india that's opened up um, for anyone with a with a mobile phone access to banking in a way that they never had access to before mm. you know i remember the citibank slogan from from many moons ago um, you know a branch bank in every pocket on the back of mobile <laughs> banking uh, but that's not to say they 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 can kind of address all the needs of mm -hmm. of of a physical bank branch, but they go some way to addressing that need. Digitization is not going to go all the way. Yeah, no, I'm I'm really sort of also interested in kind of like the psychological aspects of banking. I mean, one of the kind of I think incumbent banks' superpower is this idea of of, of trust. You know, many people might not like their their bank, but they they trust that their money is not going anywhere. And I think kind of a big part of that was, you know, in the UK, names like Barclays and Lloyds and NatWest are were on the high street, and that's that's kind of disappearing. Is there, is that disappearance kind of kind of erode a little bit of of consumers' perception of that trust, especially when there's so many more options, you know, in your back pocket on your phone? It's a it's it's a great question. Um, now, my 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 instinctive response would be um, because regulators um, take banking extraordinarily seriously, and any deposit taking institution, uh, whether it be in the UK, US, or, or any other part of the world, is very highly tightly regulated. In general, on average, across geographies, consumers trust a traditional bank because they know that the government's got their back um, and, and the regulators are looking at the financial institutions, particularly deposit-taking ones, really seriously. Now, the um, you know what people call the shadow banking um, um, system, uh, and increasingly, you know, that's a pretty broad range of, uh, of, of institutions, uh, not necessarily deposit-taking, but getting pretty close to the edge in terms of uh, you know electronic wallets and 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 what's happening in the in the in the in the blockchain and mm. and, and and crypto world that's kind of getting um, getting a greater percentage of financial assets uh, being managed outside the kind of the tightly regulated banking environment mm. and and that is the space I imagine the regulators are keeping an eagle eye on because you would not want that to get to a um, scale without being regulated. That might, that might uh, 
you know, potentially shake the confidence that consumers have in the banking ecosystem. Mm. I'm gonna I'm gonna hold that because I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go um, deeper in, into what you just said in our final question. But I've got a penultimate one that I want to ask beforehand, and it, it's it's a little bit about that, you know, the, the the disappearance of of that branch that you you used to be able to go in in the old days. Is it in in the digital world? I know that people are experimenting with with things like the metaverse, and we hear that all the time. Can you can you replicate that in per- how do you replicate that human touch in a purely digital world by the way this is uh, trying to replace millions <laughs> of years of evolution um which 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 is all about you know face to face interaction and and we all know know this right um you know the visual cues um, mm. um are, are a material part of how information gets exchanged um, um clearly language um, and the words only communicate a certain aspect of of the of the of the knowledge and data being exchanged the tonality of the voice matters but importantly all the other things that go with it in a in a in a, in a visual world um, are, are really important so so nothing nothing in 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 the metaverse anytime soon um is 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 going to replicate um you know the equivalent of a of a face to face interaction now having said that um, it is fair to say that we are getting a reasonably approximate, um, you know, approximation of that interaction um, through electronic channels and 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 and, and video and, and 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 voice and and the emerging kind of the metaverse world, um, and um, and and we're seeing that. I mean, you know, the the mixed mode world in which we operate now between a physical office and and, and a virtual office, that that. You know, if you think about it in a, in a banking context, that's what we are increasingly seeing in the mix and match mode of branch versus other channels. I, I do not, for the foreseeable future, see um, a world where bank branches totally disappear mm-hmm. and, and the metaverse takes over. I mean, that might fade into never, never land. But if you if you hold my feet to the fire, I mean, that's probably decades in the future. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Ooh, decades in the future. We'll we'll start counting now. Um, I've got, I've got a. a yeah, on that point, uh, Liz, I'm just going to make one 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 comment. Yeah, go. I remember when I was uh, when I was a young uh, consulting partner, talking breathlessly to uh, the managing director of one of my uh, one of my banking clients, um, and then over dinner he sat me down and he said, "I still remember it like it was yesterday." He said, "Shanka in banking." Never confuse a clear view for a short distance, and um, and you know that's over twenty years ago, and it still resonates. So all these changes in the metaverse and so on, that might be a clear view from a technology standpoint, mm-hmm. but we shouldn't confuse that for a short distance. It's it's years and years in the future. Yeah, in terms yeah. of replacing the needs of a physical branch, I mean. Interesting, interesting. I mean, yeah, I, I almost want to leave it at that, but I want to ask another question. I mean, interesting on that. Whenever, whenever I talk about technology with people and they say, "Oh, that's ten years in the future," I always ask them when they started counting. <laughs> it's always, but always I will ten tell years. You this. <laughs> I will tell you this, though, that that you know, um, I, I genuinely believe that the combination of the hybrid cloud and, and machine learning capabilities. Uh, meaning exponential technologies um, is is dramatically and radically 
increasing the effectiveness, not just the efficiency of digitization in a, mm -hmm. in a banking context. And, you know, capabilities like data fabric that, that unlocks the potential of data that's, you know, that's in various organizational silos um, by enabling that to be broken down and, 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 and bringing the ability to have deep analytics available you know, at the right time in the right place in, in the right part of the of, of the process to address customer needs uh, and the superior amount of automation we're seeing around customer experience and so on is genuinely driving a lot of value to you and I as consumers in a banking context. So, so this is not to say that technology, you know, is not adding a dramatic amount of value. It is just that the complete replacement of a, of a, of a branch uh, experience is is a race in the future. Mm. Okay, I've, I've got a final question. I'm gonna I'm gonna bring it bring it back to the bank here because earlier you mentioned, you know, you talked about blockchain and decentralized finance, and a lot of people talk about banking services, uh, you know, as different from a secure regulated bank, an incumbent bank that that we've known for for decades and, and centuries. So when I say bank, that's what I mean. I'm talking about those. You know those traditional incumbent banks uh, that that many of us uh, uh, work with. What what role do you think those banks have or should have in society? Oh, excellent, excellent question. So, a, a regulated financial institution um, has you know continues to play the important role at at a societal level, um, ensuring that financial services are accessible accessible to all, um, ensuring that there is no, you know, uh, that there is kind of trust uh, in the in the underlying, um, you know, intrinsic stability of the financial services uh, ecosystem, which is why regulators take that take that really, really um, seriously. Um, and, 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 you know, by that, I mean, deposit taking financial institutions mm. in particular, which is what the regulators are, are, are focused on. And, and so the most important role at that level is ensuring that um, citizens have access to financial services. Citizens have uh, trust in the underlying, um, you know, financial uh, system that they know that the deposits um, are particularly on the deposit side. Um, um, uh, you know, is is uh, is kind of taken care of, and and the and the financial institution is not going to disappear. You know, putting their their their, their deposit and their and their kind of personal uh, you know uh, savings at risk. They're all some of the foundational things. Now, around the world, many many governments are are taking the step beyond that to say, in addition to all of that. You know, ensuring access to financial services, um, you know, uh, banking services, which is key to, to to value and wealth creation at an individual level, is something that um, regulators are trying to, you know, mandate or impose on regulated financial institutions. And that's something you particularly see in many of the growth markets around the world. Excellent. In the, in the mature markets, we take that much more as read, mm. uh, but even in the mature markets, there's a certain proportion of underbanked um, that regulators are still keeping in uh, kind of an eagle eye on uh, to ensure they have access to the full breadth of financial services. And that is a work in progress even today. Everything's a work in progress. <laughs> lovely, yeah. lovely, Shanker. Thank you so much for speaking with me. I greatly appreciate it. Thanks a lot. 
Hello, and welcome back to Functional Banking Magic, Banking in the Real Verse. In this final chapter, we look at putting the human touch back into banking with Wendy Redshaw, Chief Digital Information Officer at NetWest, and Nina Raphael, Managing Director, Banking and Capital Markets at Accenture. Hello, Wendy and Nina. Hi, nice to be here. Thank you so much for joining me. Um, so as you know, this this episode focuses on banking in the real world. Um, and, and in our digital first age, this, this often means that the people still banking in this physical channel tend to be maybe a bit older, uh, live it more remotely, or, or maybe come from vulnerable communities. So we're going to really discuss what banks can do to mitigate these challenges and continue to engage with these communities. So Wendy, I wanted to start with you to talk, you know, we, we read in the newspapers all the time about retail banks closing branches at, at an increasing rate. Is this is this kind of just a, the natural order of things or, or are we ignoring a significant impact in society here? I think it's a really good question. It's one that we think about quite a bit. I mean, we are a relationship bank for a digital world. So as a result of that, human beings are very physical. So branches remain a core part of our service. And personally, I see the hybrid bank, both physical and digital, harmoniously combined as really a true benefit for, for customers. It's true that the way people bank with us has probably changed pretty dramatically. Mm. And there's an increased demand for mobile and online services. But millions of our customers enjoy the benefit of those faster and easier ways to bank, irrespective of whether they're a little bit older or whether or not they're in rural communities. Um, video banking, however, is a, is a great example of digital, shall we say, <laughs> true merging of physical and digital. And just, just to throw in some stats, 58% um, of our retail customer base in the UK now exclusively use digital channels mm -hmm. to interact with us. And 78% of our active current account users are now regular digital users. So while we still see the need for physical branches, and we absolutely do, we're also seeing a major shift in that customer behavior. Mm. I mean, yeah, but maybe I can get a bring, bring Nina in, you know, from the Accenture point of view, you know, you're looking at, 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 at advice and consulting and, and technology. I mean, what, what, that, that physical channel and, and the, the re reduction of that physical channel, how, is, how does that impact how you're, how you're you know, what, what solutions you're recommending and, and how you're working on some of these projects? Sure. And, and I, I think it's a, it's a great question. And I think there is always this constant need, as, as Wendy's saying, to have the right level of digital and the right level of human and how you bring the two together. Um, and as Wendy says, what we're seeing in response to that is we're seeing that the branches are, are evolving all the time. They're already different. They're continuing to be different. But I think we're also seeing a big shift in the mindset that you go to your bank, mm. the more that the banks will come to the customer. And we're seeing, as well as the branches, you know, lots of innovative ways in which the banks start started coming to those customers. Mm. I mean, Nina, I'm going to stay with you because one of the sort of uh, one of the things that that prompted the the theme of this episode of the podcast was was looking at um, banking access in rural communities where their you know branches aren't aren't nearby, and also the the technological infrastructure is not as robust as it might be in suburban and, and urban areas with broadband mm. and mobile issues. Like, what are what are some of the solutions? That, that banks are looking at financial services in, in to reach some of these communities that you're seeing? Yeah. 
And, and I think it's a great question and it's super important that we continue to be financially inclusive um, and we think about ways to reach those communities in a way that's authentic to them. Um, so lots of these things we're very focused on working in that West on, um, but we're seeing it all over the place. Um, Pop-up branches mm. are a big thing, um, trialing kind of new locations and you know, different ways of interacting um, with customers. Um, we're seeing some co-service banking hubs. Um, so they're serviced by sort of multi-brands of banks um, and um, or dual brands. Um, we're seeing a lot of stuff around um, community spaces. Um, so serving sort of a multitude of needs uh, and building relationship across the rural communities, mm -hmm. um, not just financial and banking needs. Um, and we're seeing, you know, uh, lots of sort of community you know mobile vans um i was in the summer in suffolk um eating my fish and chips and a, and a bank on wheels and um, came past um and you know the access to banking is you know everywhere we look um, and really thinking about the communities that it serves Mm. No, I'm glad you brought up the bank on wheels or sometimes I, I on Twitter, I call them bank mobiles or, or um, but it was I wanted to go to Wendy because I know like NatWest encompasses you know, the old RBS and I know that RBS used to have a, a, a banks in, uh, on wheels up in Scotland in some rural areas. And, you know, well, like it is, is, is that still like how, how much are banks still sort of investing in in that in that channel or are they looking to uh, move to to more digital channels to reach some of these communities? Are we we've not were we not seeing the end of bank mobiles? I hope <laughs> we're, not, we're not seeing the end of bank mobiles. No, no, definitely not. Um, you're talking about our mobile bank branches, mm. uh, and they and they really do provide a valuable face-to-face -face service. And I think they're in about I don't know 600 rural and semi-rural rural communities you know, today. And there's no particular reason why that would stop because of the types of things that they are able to do to help customers there. Things like simple transactions like paying in and withdrawing cash and checks, but also help with paying their bills, which becomes much more of a conversation nowadays with the cost of living. Mm. And our colleagues generally, when they are there with those, you know, to use that example, it's the same as in branch really. So they'll help with qu queries, they can educate customers to help to self-serve in the mobile app because we often have you know good signal in the uh, in the branches so you know they can use that, they can use that wi-fi there and where appropriate um the senior personal bankers can be available for financial health checks so really you know you're talking about a, a real relationship bank here you know someone's come along they've seen uh, our colleagues and those colleagues have actually been right there uh, aiming to help them um, the other thing that I'm, I'll pick up from uh, what Nina mentioned um, about these pilots, we've actually got some, we've, we've worked together with the wider industry, it's not just about NatWest, but our community access to cash pilots um, have been testing various different solutions that are going to keep cash supported in local communities. Okay. And specifically because at those hubs that, that Nina made reference to, there's a wide range of queries on things like even opening an account or withdrawing cash in a safe environment. So we're actually talking about offering services beyond the boundary, perhaps, of the, of the specific bank itself. And I think that's really helped with understanding more about how, as a community, we should widen the access to cash for our more vulnerable customers. 
Because although there's been a massively large rise in digital, cash is still a really important part of the way that many communities across the UK actually bank with us and work with each other, you know, and interact with each other. Yeah, no, I, I'll stay with you for a second, because since, since I sort of put together the, the this episode, I've been learning more about the movement towards what you mentioned, the, the banking hubs and the banks working together and having, um, you know, that that presence in, in communities. You know, how, 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 how further is that going to scale and grow, do you think, in the UK? Well, I, I mean, I can't say for sure, but I think that we've really approached it as an industry, as a learning, which... If you think back, perhaps banks weren't particularly in that mindset of really continuously learning and, and taking feedback from customers and, and then adapting. I think overall as an industry, I'm not being specific. Mm. So this is a great example of almost a completely new cultural way of working, which is shaped by being physically close to the customer and finding out and seeing firsthand how we can help them best and then working together as an industry to to find ways to do that. Mm. I mean, at NatWest, you know, we, we go out and we say we champion potential and that we're a purpose-led organization and, and the purpose is to, to help the community to thrive. So it's really a lot, very much aligned with our purpose to, to actively do things like that. Mm. I wanted to talk a little bit about trust only because, um, you know, you, you hear a lot when talking about um, digital and digital first that that young people are living in a are digital natives and digital first people and you know I'm the mother of a teenager my son's 17 and often over the past few years I like to query his friends and ask them little banking questions and one of the things that that has come up almost consistently when they start working and look to open a bank account is th- the response I get is well I'll go down the high street and walk into a branch um, and it's, you know, I feel like the BBC here, but there are lots of banking alternative <laughs> options available here. But it's that idea of being that logo and that brand presence in the community in the form of a branch or, or, or a, 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 on wheels is, is do you think it's that it, that's a part of that trust, which which is kind of that ace in the back pocket for a lot of traditional banks? As they as they they sit alongside uh, consumer options with with, with digital offerings, I, I have, as we're moving towards and we're and the banks are kind of disappearing or decreasing their presence on high streets in communities, is it kind of eroding some of that customer trust or per, per perception of trust? I don't know who wants to jump in on that first. Um, so firstly, it's really interesting because I've got teenagers as well. So. Um, I, I, I get where you're coming from, absolutely. And it's really interesting, actually, with that younger community, because whilst they're very digitally savvy, they actually want to have that human interaction, whether it's in a branch or otherwise. But actually, that's a really interesting uh, thing that's coming out. Um, and I think in terms of trust, um, most of the time, um, I think that the trust has, in the past, if we we're honest, has been eroded when what we call the colleagues, but the employees don't have the right tools to be able to service the customers mm. um, and, then, and then and spend the time with them having that human interaction. So where we're really focused and the work we're doing at West is really focused is not just on the customer experience, but there is an important intrinsic link between the employee experience. And let's be honest, there's a lot of unsung heroes in these branches um, to help them with their own experience to then service the customers better. And I think that that's a really important part of building that trust. So when you go into that branch or wherever you interact with the bank, you have a very positive experience. 
Um, and I think, as Wendy can attest to, that's a big focus of uh, the work that NatWest are doing right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I love, I'm glad that Wendy said I have lots of views on that. I'd love to hear them. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with Nina from our colleagues' perspective, actually having them in a position where they're able to really serve, whether that person is a teenager, and I also have my own. Um, and they do, and they even, when they start a bank account, they actually like to have paper statements. I've stopped them from a climate perspective <laughs> because they don't usually get any mail and they find it quite a novelty. <laughs> But, um, but actually, when we start to think about, well, why is it that they want to walk down a high street? Well, they knew that their parents did it, and mm. they can, they're looking for trust. So your point about trust and the question itself is, like, really important. Like, what is that trust? How do you build trust? And do you have to have a physical presence to build trust? I, I think that the physical presence is a massive factor, because I think that 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 feeling that something is not going to just disappear because it's only digital mm -hmm. somehow reassures people. Um, but I think trust is trust is key, but I don't believe it's solely based on how people choose to bank, whether it's digital or physical, but rather how their bank responds to their needs, which needs, which plays in to what Nina was saying. You mm -hmm. know, when you have an experience in your branch, you know, is it positive? Is that human being properly human? Um, and I think it's important to meet customers where they are. So a percentage of our customers are digitally native, as you just mentioned, and they prefer banking this way and actually don't particularly want to go into a branch. But similarly, we understand and recognise that digital solutions aren't right for everyone or every situation. Mm. Some people who are digitally native might actually not be in quite such a positive um might not have such a positive experience with digital maybe they don't like it maybe they find it difficult and so in that instance we have to really make sure that no one is left behind and we don't presuppose that older people can't use digital mm, i mean exactly. many of them were the people who you know originated the ipads and the iphones <laughs> and stuff like that so why would they not be digital and similarly i don't think you can always assume that a digital native only wants to interact digitally mm. sometimes they actually would like to talk to someone um, so I think that the, the fact that digital is available 24-7 actually helps build that trust and people can get help with digital every branch. So you then get the link between this is a physical branch. And by the way, I went into a physical branch recently uh, just to say hi. Uh, they didn't know who I was and they offered me help to pay in something at my cash deposit machine because I looked like I was having trouble. I was actually. <laughs> Um, so, uh, so actually, you know, it doesn't, there's no presupposition, you know, there's that physical branch and it, and it allows you to morph into digital because you're helped on the way and you know where to get that help. Mm. And, and our frontline colleagues, as you say, unsung heroes, they really, really care about how they can help customers. But moving forward, I mean, is it, is it possible or how close are we to maybe creating like having the best of both worlds in that digital world, having that, you know, automate and doing things quickly for, and some of the digital stuff, but then having that access to humans. But in that, like, how close are we to creating that, what's what's good about the physical experience in the online world? Well, for me, the, the more of the simple digital stuff you can actually automate and make digitized and make delightful and beautiful, but but make it quick and efficient, the more time our frontline colleagues will have to be able to do the physical human being to human being things, for want of a better uh, technical sort of description. 
So if, we, if you have access to the same services more and often in your digital channels and you get used to those and it's really seamless, then when you are in the physical world and you're wanting to have more of a dialogue, more of an interaction, the people who are there will be able to give you that more experience. And, you know, we can see that with our video banking, you know, 24-7 ability to book. You know, you've actually got the ability to, to have that very close to you. In terms of physicality, I, I was recently doing some play, let's call it that, in the metaverse. Mm. And I actually see as we evolve further into the metaverse, we're actually starting to see it's highly immersive and it actually in some way feels physical. You actually feel a, an affinity with someone in that sort of digital world that you're living in. There's a physicality to it. It's quite interesting. So I think that will come along um, as we see in evolution in the various different strata of those technologies. <laughs> but, but, you know, saying that, a portion of customers are still going to really value that face-to-face -face interaction, and that's why our branches are a, a core part of the service. And, you know, we'll continue work, working with the wider industry on those alternatives, like the banking hubs across the UK. But actually, that our, cust our frontline customers' ability... Uh, frontline colleagues ability to be able to serve those customers physically in a delightful way is going to be really important and the work that Nina and I were talking to you about last time we spoke mm. absolutely plays to that yeah and interesting I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, Net, NetWest in the metaverse <laughs> coming, coming yeah. soon yeah. <laughs> and with every absolutely. other bank as well <laughs> cool so I wanted to ask a final question of both of you and Nina I'll, I'll have you go first um, because I really, I, I really want to examine banks' role in in society and, and and its place. So, what, like, from your point of view, what what role do you think banks should have in in society at large? One of the most important things, for sure, is financial literacy um, and education. Right? I mean, one of the things you know we're absolutely focused on um, within that West is to to ensure the customers don't get into any financial vulnerability um, and, and part of that and you know we talked about teenagers before this is one of the you know things I think they look at in their banks is to help them educate them uh, about financial matters and, and let's be honest when we uh, look back at our own education and our kids education they learn a lot of stuff at school um, but they don't actually learn a lot about how to budget how to plan, how to manage their money. Um, so I think that's a super important um, role um, that the banks play. And I think we talked about before sort of, you know, the, the digital currency um, and people's, uh, you know, also constantly, you know, constantly want to go back to cash. And I think that has proved even more that it's very easy um, to, to you know, struggle with budgeting when you're living in a digital world and it's very easy to tap, tap, tap and buy lots of stuff um, and not be able to manage your money. So I think absolutely financial literacy, as we can see, we're also playing a role in digital literacy um, by default as being the mixture of digital and human. Um, so for me, I think both those roles are the most important thing.
Interesting. So, Wendy, I have, I'll, I'll leave you with the, the, the same final question. What, what role does a bank have in society at large? Yeah, so, um, so I think, yeah, financial capability and education, and we have things like Money Sense and the recent partnership we had with Martin Rashford to try and help young people understand that more. Those things, I think, are actually a duty. You asked about the duty. I think that that's quite an important part of banking. Mm. I think they also that you can consider them as a utility by many, but they actually have a very, very sort of key relationship with, with uh, customers. So trust is key. Coming back to your earlier point, and it's often a relationship that's really long-standing. You know, many customers are going to open their bank account as a young teen, or yours, or Nina's children going and getting their first bank account ready to go to uni. Uh, but that bank will then have the, that bank will then support them throughout their whole life and helping them at all the stages of that life. And so you've actually got that really long term relationship, which is an important one to consider. I think the other um, aspect that I would pull out is the, a bank's like we're a purpose driven organisation. A bank's purpose, for example, in the climate space might be to actually show you're taking bold actions towards climate transition. So uh, we committed to make our own operations net carbon neutral in 2020, which we did do, and then climate positive by 2025, which we're working on. And we're setting ourselves a challenge to at least half the climate impact of our financing activity by 2030. So for example, we'll introduce that into green mortgages. We'll put our partnership of COGO into the mobile app and COGO is used to help customers understand the carbon impact of their spend. So I think the duty that, that you're referring to is actually, if you say you are going to be purpose-led, show it. Show it, say it, do it, you know, measure yourself against it. And I think that is a, that's a duty that we have. Wonderful. Perfect. Wendy and Nina, thank you so much for joining me on Functional Banking Magic. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you very much thank for having us. Thank you for listening to Functional Banking Magic, which runs monthly out of The Banker. You can listen to this podcast on thebanker.com, Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you get your podcast fix. If you would like to be a guest on Functional Banking Magic, you can contact Liz Lumley at elizabeth.lumley at ft.com. Thank you.